The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Nice to have you back on our program today here on Afternoons with Mike. Thank you for being with us. I have on the line with me a young lady that has been on before talking about education. She's put out a film or been part of a project uh, that put out a film to help parents kind of mitigate the waters of this strange time in which we're living in educational issues uh, with the transgendered stuff that's going on, with uh, parents being almost uh, excluded in some major cities. We've seen that in the past. I've had on the program before, and she's back today, Sherry Few. She's president and founder of United States Parents Involved in Education. The acronym there is USPI, and the website is USPI.org. Sherry, welcome back. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on again. You know, you deal with things that really, whether or not we are, we, we parents are parents of young kids or not, we've still got grandkids that are being affected by everything that's going on in the educational system today. There are so many things to consider. There are so many things for which I believe we should be concerned. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. The times in which we're living, parents need to be very concerned about what their children are learning in government schools. And that would be true in uh, schools that uh, I believe that may not be public schools. There are some schools that still take their cues curriculum-wise from the government or from suggested reading. I mean, when you look around and even see what's going on in the libraries of our country today, where they're having these crazy times of drag queen reading hours, this is a, a strange time for all educators, whether they be parents in home education or whether your kid is in public school. These are times that we need to go. And I know you've got some back-to-school warnings. Here we go. I mean, we're just, what, a week or so away in Florida from kids returning to school. And I know that there are some things that you're ramping up with uh, kind of cautions and maybe some warnings out for parents as well. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned for parents. If they're not aware of what's been happening, they need to become aware. Um, so, and that's why we produced the film that you mentioned, Truth and Lies in American Education, to educate parents about what's being taught in the government schools, because what's being taught is a tantamount to child abuse, quite frankly. And it hasn't gotten any, any better even though in the last year or two, there have been laws that have been passed uh, around the country. And, and Florida actually kind of sets a precedent for the rest of the country as far as you know the movement to protect children from some of the uh, atrocities that are, that are being taught in government schools. But even in Florida, I'm sure you're still going to face issues because the laws are not going to be abided by. And we've seen examples of that. There's an abundance of evidence throughout the country where teachers and administrators are saying, we're not going to abide by those laws. Uh, they don't agree with the idea that what they're teaching is wrong, and they're going to move forward and teach it anyhow. 
So parents need to be vigilant. They need to know uh, what's being taught. And, and in most cases, we suggest that parents not even subject their children to this, uh, that they should remove their children from government schools and consider homeschooling and private education. But as you suggested, even some private schools uh, have fallen prey to the critical Marxist theories, uh, the sexualization of children. It's really a shame to see that some of the schools have, uh, private schools have even begun to delve into this. So yes, it's, it's, a, it's a warning for parents. Uh, if they don't know already, they need to become informed, uh, protect their children. And then all of us as freedom-loving Americans need to be informed and in this battle, it, it is truly a spiritual battle for the minds of the, chil- of the children in this country. Mm-hmm. To your point about parents being involved with what's going on in the curriculum, even in uh, private schools or, or schools that are not necessarily uh, deemed to be public schools, there, have, for years there seems to have been a trend that even uh, in private Christian schools, many parents of uh, secular public schools would pull their kids out of those, and these would not necessarily be uh, Christian kids, uh, kids who uh, abided by the Bible. Uh, and so I know we've seen that firsthand with a lot of uh, what would otherwise be private Christian schools having kids that go there that bring an influence that would be no difference at all in terms of what the kids are encountering. And I think that's one of the biggest concerns, right? That kids encounter a lot of peer pressure from other kids that just because we send them to a private school doesn't mean they're being shielded completely from that influence. Well, you're absolutely right. I I think uh, in a lot of cases, even when troubled children, um, kids who have found themselves uh, being kicked out of schools, for example, you know, parents have to find an alternative, and that's usually the private school um, sector. And so, yes, there can be negative peer influence um, in these private schools as well. But, you know, what's, what's most disturbing to me in some of the private schools, and I, I've seen it in South Carolina where I live, um, and, you know, Catholic schools are probably uh, the most common. They've been around for a very long time. And lots of people thought, you know, they could put their kids in a Catholic school and it would shield them from the nefarious things we see happening in government schools. But many of the Catholic schools have fallen right in line, you know, with the common core standards and um, this idea of critical race theory and other Marxist theories. And, and then you have private schools that accept government money. And when they accept government funding, um, then they are tied to the government regulations and all of the things that the government schools are teaching. So yes, it's, it's difficult to shield your child unless you homeschool. And so, you know, we believe that homeschooling is um, the best way to educate your children in today's culture. And many parents are beginning to understand that to be a homeschool parent, you don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to have, you know, tons of letters behind your name. Um, You know, any parent can 
homeschool their child. And we want to encourage parents that they can be uh, the primary educator of their children. We know that the Bible uh, directs us as parents to be uh, involved and, and be the first educator of children. And more and more parents are recognizing the fact that they are capable and, and very able to teach their children. And it's a very rewarding process. It certainly is. We did that back in 1985 when we moved here uh, from Indiana. Our kids up there, our, our daughter at that point, we only had one in school at that point, was in a Christian school that we really loved. And uh, the church that oversaw that school, that put it out there for the public to go to was a great church. And I knew the leadership and we just had a wonderful experience in that school. And then we moved to Florida and everything that we saw was either so expensive that we couldn't do it at that point. And then of course, in 1985, the public school uh, system uh, track record in Florida was anything but stellar. And so we saw that our only option was to homeschool, and we were kind of baptized in fire, if you will. We didn't have long to prepare, but we jumped in and did it and found out that we really loved it. And it was really a surprise, I think, to both my wife and me how doable it is, and yet there are so many parents that are still so fearful that they're going to somehow mess their kids up by home educating them instead of sending them to a school, be it a Christian school or be it a public school, they are fearful of that for no good reason, right? Yes, yes, no good reason is right. And, you know, it's it's interesting to hear your story. Uh, back in 1985, I imagine you were pioneers in the homeschool movement. Uh, as I recall, I just um, became familiar with it around that time frame. And back then, I thought, you know, it, I wasn't thinking about home educating my own children, but I would hear about people that were homeschooling, and I thought, oh, they must be really smart. <laughs> How else could they do that? And so it was such a foreign idea back then, and there were many pioneers like yourself that, that even fought legally uh, to have the right to homeschool their children. I remember when I first got involved with education policy, I met a lady from our state who was responsible for making it legal in our state for families to be able to homeschool their children. And you, if you think about it, it's just um, ironic that, you know, we would need the permission of the government in order to be the educator of our children. But that's indeed how it was. I'm sure you have your own stories about that. Uh, but she fought for her children to be homeschooled, and they had threatened her with jail time. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The homeschooling. Now, we so, did not encounter that in Florida, but uh, that was going on in other states, particularly in the Midwest. There were some states that were really prosecuting parents and, and sticking the kids with a label of being, uh, you know, truants and not uh, following through. And there, uh, there was just a negative thing. But uh, there were states that were deeming this illegal. So in the state of Florida now, there was what was called, we had back then a sunset law that was in effect that was allowing it, I think, for a temporary period. And, and so, but there were so many people, Sherry, that we had to be careful about. So we actually, I remember this, this is kind of funny to think about it in 2023, 
but we had to really work with our kids who were very young at that point. Uh, in 1985, our youngest, we only had two at that point. So our daughter was, I believe, nine, and our our son would have been three. And we were really having to watch over even uh, actually eight and two is what their ages would have been in 85, eight and two. So we had to be very careful with our eight-year-old, what our eight-year-old would say to other people when they were asked the question, why aren't you in school today? If we were out during the day, if we had done our homeschooling and we were done prior to three o'clock in the afternoon, there would be people who would ask questions and they would ask prying questions, quite frankly. And so we had to be very careful. We had to train our kids what to say. And nowadays you look at it, it's obviously a very good uh, method of education and highly respected by most people now, In even though uh, there were a lot of parents that were thrust into what they felt were home education during the COVID times. We know that that was not quite the same thing because they were really just overseeing it and not with the same heart that a homeschooler does, right? Yes, yes. And and another thing that I recall, and, and it's still fairly common to hear, is the concern that children that don't go to government schools aren't properly socialized. And so that's a big um, negative that people try to throw at parents who are homeschooling. And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of times when you see criticism like that, I think um, other parents are just trying to somehow defend their position. They might feel a little guilty that they're not doing more, that they're relying on the government to not only educate their children, but babysit, quite frankly, uh, their children while they work. And so in order to justify their decision, they're critical of homeschool parents. And that's one of the criticisms you hear. But, you know, to the contrary, I believe homeschool children are better socialized. Much better. And you you talked about the peer pressure in in schools, and it the peer pressure was really tough on my children. Um, they're in their thirties now, so it's been some time since my kids are in school, and I believe it's gotten far worse than it was then. But the peer pressure is very strong, and so you teach them your godly values at home, and then they go off to school, and they're influenced by children that don't have that kind of a a good home life. And, and they become influenced and, and make decisions they wouldn't otherwise make. So, yes, children are very well socialized in the homeschool environment, especially today. They have co-ops and all kinds of uh, mechanisms where they get together with other children whose parents are like-minded, positive influences. So, you know, peer pressure goes both ways. It's not only do you want to shield your children from the negative peer pressures, but you want them to have positive peer influences. And I think that's what you get when you homeschool your children and you're able to make choices and decisions about who your children will be involved with and what what and how they will learn. I agree. And, you know, we learned, and this is not like a broad brush statement that it works in every family. We know that that is not the case. But for the most part, We found back then in the 80s and on into the 90s, we found that parents who had kids that uh, they homeschooled these children. When we would be around the kids, we saw children much more comfortable 
talking to adults than we experienced when we would be around families and their kids who were in a public school system. Those kids, by comparison, again, this is a, uh, it's not a broad brush statement, but we found those kids, by and large, much less talkative, much less comfortable to talk to an adult that they weren't around. But we would see those same kids, the oddest thing, when those same kids would be in, let's say, view in our in a room or in a house, and other kids their age would come into the room, they would light up and they would change and their personality would even seem to change. So I, I think parents need to realize that there is a, a comfort level that kids need to have when speaking to adults that does not naturally happen when those kids are in a public school. They are kind of cocooned almost in this pure uh, atmosphere and peer pressure. And that's something that we found a great benefit. Our kids were always spoken of by other adults as being very respectful to them when they would talk, very talkative. And that just doesn't happen all the time with kids that are don't have that kind of, uh, let's say, exposure to talking to adults. Well, you know, I've, I've never thought of it like that, but I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's rare to see young children today um, and, and teenagers particularly that will engage with adults. I mean, oftentimes they won't even look you in the eye. Um, they're weary of conversation. And so I had never thought about the fact that being in that environment in the government schools uh, has probably fostered that kind of an attitude. Very good point. I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, it certainly was our experience, and it is something that I think that parents can, as they kind of put together in their minds, It's uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people today that are still considering, what am I going to do this year? They might even have held off on kind of enrolling their kid in a school because of some of the concerns. I just want to put that out there, that there are benefits beyond what you can imagine for homeschooling. If you take that and you watch your kids and you in, you're involved lovingly with the kids, I think that's just it. I think so many parents, they do look at school as almost being like an opportunity for babysitting and they don't want to deal with it. So the kid just gets dropped off and they don't even know. And oftentimes, this is, again, not a broad brush, but oftentimes they're not following through with the same heart and intensity that they possibly should be doing as to what their kid is experiencing during the course of a day. And those days turn into weeks and those weeks turn into months. And before you know it, there's been a lot of influence on kids. That's what happens. We need to be aware. My guest is Sherry Few. We'll be back with her in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. 
All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me today is Sherry Few. Sherry is an educator. She's a parent. She's involved in education by helping other parents kind of wake up, I think, and really smell the coffee as to what's going on in our culture, because there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And I think every mom and dad, every grandparent and grandmother and granddad needs to be aware that their children or their grandchildren are just about ready to head back to school. And what does that mean? How can they be ready? We've talked about home education as a good option. And I I think that's something that I'm a firm believer, especially in younger years. You know, there's a big difference, isn't there, in a kindergartner and uh, someone, let's say, in in ninth grade. I mean, there's a huge difference as to how their their formative years are are already set when they're in ninth grade. But for a kindergartner, first grader, they're so formative at that point. There's no one better than a loving parent to teach that child. I'm convinced of that. Well, you're absolutely right. No one loves their children more than the parents. And, you know, that's um, often negated by many in the government school system. Um, in fact, it's it's just become upside down in the government schools where educators think and administrators believe that they know what's best for children. and And parents couldn't possibly know because they haven't been steeped in all of the training and things that educators go through. But in my opinion, uh, the colleges and universities, the colleges of education where these teachers are trained before they enter the classroom are, are so deep into um, leftist ideologies that once they hit the classroom, um, they're fully indoctrinated themselves. And then they carry that over into the classroom and, and I've actually heard educators say, you know, if you are not a teacher, you shouldn't have any say in education. And so it's really um, ironic that parents are treated as though they couldn't possibly know what's best for their children. And we know that the opposite is true. They, they know um, exactly uh, what their children need, how they best learn. And parents have been removed altogether from decisions about how and what their children learn in government schools. And you know, the other thing is, you talked about the age of children. Well, the government wants kids younger and they wanna keep them longer. So, you know, there's the push for the uh, uh, pre-kindergarten grades. You know, they, they want them as young as possible. They want to extend the school year for it to be a full year program and there's after school programs. And so a child ends up being in the care of government trained officials for the majority of their childhood. They spend more waking hours in the schools than they do at home. And the influences there are, have become just horrific. Uh, not only the negative peer pressure that we've already discussed, but particularly the curriculum. The curriculum has gone so far left, it's just hard to believe 
that they don't even hide it anymore. They are just in your face with the Marxist critical theories, the hypersexualization of children, anti-American propaganda. Uh, they're being taught to be social justice warriors. They're taught that capitalism is racist and America is systemically racist. Yeah. These, these are the key, and not to mention the anti-Christian uh, propaganda. So it, it, is, it is tantamount to child abuse, and we don't recommend that any parent subject their children to this abuse. Now, the list that you've just given us right there of things that is very present, if not prominent, in a lot of schools, those should be considered deeply by every mom and dad, by, again, every grandparent, because our kids today are facing things in some ways in a deeper and more profound sense than any other generation uh, that we could even go back and track. It's not like those things weren't ever there at all, but the just the propensity for these issues to be upfront and present and emphasize it's worse today than it was when I went to school in the sixties and seventies. And I think kids need to realize that. I mean, that is exactly what our kids are going to be facing. You mentioned, let's take the first one, Marxist critical theories. Now we know we've, we've heard about the critical race theory, but there are other Marxist principles that are being taught other than just racism and uh, the whole thing about uh, what we face with Black Lives Matter and all of that. A uh, few people, unless they've really looked at the Black Lives Matter charter, they would be surprised to find out that it is not so much about racism as much as it is about Marxism. You're absolutely right. So, you know, the, um, the Marxist theories are intended to uh, divide people, to put people in different groups and pit them against one another. So the other critical theories that are uh, prominent in government schools, and not just critical race theory, there's critical feminist theory, critical queer theory, and all of these theories, again, uh, put children in different groups and pit them against one another. So you won't see a textbook or a curriculum uh, titled critical race theory, but what we have is teachers that are trained in something called culturally relevant pedagogy. So this is, this is the, the name that they use. Um, and under that theory um, or pedagogy, we see all of these theories combined. So for example, um, they'll have a list of oppressors on one side and those who are oppressed on the other side. So the list of oppressors would um, include uh, particularly male, heterosexual, um, and even Christians are listed as oppressors. And then on the flip side, you have uh, females, LGBTQ, and what they call um, uh, minority uh, religions. And so if you happen to be a male and you're a heterosexual and you come from a good socioeconomic background and you're a Christian, then you are painted as though you are just steeped in oppression where you oppress every other person right. and you're a problem in America. 
So these are these are the critical Marxist theories that are embedded in every classroom and every subject. And that's how teachers are trained before they even hit the classroom. They are trained to embed these theories, uh, these pedagogies in the subjects that they teach. And that term pedagogy just basically is referring to teaching, right? Yes. Um, so pet pedagogy is your method of teaching. So again, it's not the curriculum, it's not the textbook, but it is a method of teaching. It's how teachers are trained to provide instruction to children. So basically what's happened, Sherry, is that we had this big title that was put out there and then it caught such flack, critical race theory. It's not that they did away with that. They just renamed it, right? Yes, they have rebranded it. And what we've seen is that, um, and, and teachers aren't even ashamed to talk about this. They openly say that they've rebranded it. So they don't call it critical race theory and they're not even calling it culturally relevant pedagogy any longer. They're calling it, um, in some cases, mental health curriculum yeah. or something that sounds benign. Um, and that's the way that's the way they operate. Uh, they did the same thing with the Common Core standards. I was involved with the, the fight to um, avoid those standards. And in every state in the nation, there were people like myself that were fighting to um, avoid those standards. And what happened was they just simply rebranded it. So in South Carolina, where I live, uh, we have Common Core standards under a different name. Uh, and and they the people were fooled and and still believe that we don't have Common Core standards. Um, but I can say that yeah, I know you're in Florida, and it's it's the one state in the nation that I believe has actually overcome those standards. Um, but there's still a long ways to go. I um, even though the Florida schools are better probably than uh, most in the country, I would say any state in the nation uh, because of the leadership of Governor DeSantis and a strong legislature that is working to try to undo um, all of the leftist ideologies. Uh, there is still much work to be done. And as I mentioned, many teachers and administrators have found ways to get around the laws that have been passed to protect children. So it's still not a safe environment. And we don't recommend any parent uh, enroll their children in government schools. You know, what you've said is so true that just because things are good right now, there's no guarantee that in Florida, I don't think that we can let the guard down and act like everything is just, you know, going to be here the way it is today forever, because we know that administrations change, uh, other people get in, uh, times can suddenly flip upside down. So I think that all of us need to continue. I like your word. We need to be vigilant. We need to be on the watch and, and thank God for some of the things that we are enjoying here. But there are 49 states in, in this United States of America that are, are not, uh, let's say, in that same boat. And they're fighting these things. A lot of people, a lot of good people are teachers. I love teachers. I was going to be a teacher myself. And I really believe that God redirected me when I was in college and ended up going into communications. But I have a heart for it. And I have a heart for kids. 
I was a youth pastor for a number of years and then a pastor, and I really believe that parents are being told that they can't do stuff today that they can do, and they must do, and we must have parents involved, like what we saw up in in Virginia with Loudon and all of the things that went on when parents saw that they were being kicked out of the school boards, they got involved and it changed. And parents, even in 2023, can become more active than they believe they can. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. And you know, that's probably um, the ray of sunshine in, in all of this is that parents are becoming involved. They are speaking out and standing up to the bureaucrats that are running the government school system. So I'm very encouraged and very hopeful because I've been involved with education policy for more than 20 years. And I can tell you that there has never been a movement like we're seeing today where parents are standing up. And, you know, I was um, criticized and and of course the the left loves to criticize me. Um, I was, and I consider it a badge of honor, quite frankly, Um, but I was criticized recently for being um, what they called um, a white supremacist mom. Oh my so, goodness. So they're, they're trying to um, characterize the parents in this movement as just being white women. And, and that is so far from the truth. And we see it um, if, you, if you look at Facebook and you see all of these videos of parents that are speaking out at school board meetings they are not just white suburban moms. And that's what we're characterized at as during the Common Core movement. What we see in this movement are men, Hispanics, Blacks. We've, we've seen biracial parents that are outraged at what their children are being taught. And in fact, in our film, Truth and Lies in American Education, we interview Dr. Gary Thompson, who is a psychologist And he talks about how toxic this uh, critical race theory is for children. And he is the parent of biracial children. And you can just imagine how difficult it would be to try to explain the critical race theory concepts uh, to children that are biracial. Mm -hmm. So it it truly is a shame that... um, you know, race is being used in a way to teach children, um, quite frankly, to hate themselves, to hate others, and they're being taught to hate their country. And so as Christians, we understand that the opposite is what children should be taught. We should be teaching them about love and and not seeing uh, differences as a negative um concept, but rather, um, in, you know, the, you hear about inclusivity. Well, we, we need to be inclusive in loving, um, all people and children are not taught that in government schools today. I agree. They're not. And this whole thing about the role of parents, uh, that is certainly not being taught well. And to think that, you know, I, I could go back to, uh, current culture things that are going on that are almost defying belief. A lot of uh, headlines I've seen lately carry this thought like, is this really America where Riley Gaines and other uh, Americans, uh, she's involved obviously as the swimmer, 
and is speaking out against this whole transgender women's sports debate that's going on and how unfair it is when men who suddenly flip and decide they want to feel more like a lady and start swimming as a woman in a woman's contest. Uh, it's just not fair. And we're seeing it being the ruining factor. It's the ruination of uh, women's sports. And she goes to like some sort of uh, a meeting and there is a group of protesters that are actually spitting on them. That is just unbelievable that we have gotten to the point where we're not a civil nation to this degree that you can believe something different and not tolerate absolutely hate and despise anyone who doesn't believe what the the stuff that you're following. I mean, I get it. Is this America? Yes. And so there's organizations like the Southern Poverty Law Center who actually create lists of people that they categorize as hate groups, um, individuals and organizations. And so they create this list and they publish it. And then these individuals and organizations become the targets of uh, the Antifa people and others who are unsavory and seek to attack and undermine and and in sometimes threaten uh, with physical harm these individuals that are have been put on this list. And our organization, United States Parents Involved in Education, and particularly some of our state chapters, uh, were recently put on this list. And um, wow. in, Illinois, in Illinois, our chapter president has faced all sorts of um, really nearly violent uh, attacks uh, because he is on this list. Let's talk about that list in a moment. Sherry Few is my guest. We'll be back. We've got a quick break here. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. With me is educator Sherry Few. She's a parent involved with uh, education to the degree of an organization that she founded called USPI. That's an acronym, United States Parents Involved in Education. Boy, do we need you now, Sherry. Thank you for doing that. You were talking about how that you and your organization has been put on a list. Uh, Pick that back up, if you will. Sure. So there's an organization called the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they have created a list of individuals that they deem to be um, dangerous and, and even categorized as domestic terrorists. And unfortunately, because of the very um, left-leaning administration we have in, in the president's uh, office, these lists are um, even used by the government to uh, target individuals that they believe can be a quote-unquote threat to their country. Mm-hmm. So our Illinois uh, president um, has 
been even individually added to this list. And he has seen all sorts of uh, threats. Um, his job was threatened. The Antifa people in Chicago have been contacting his, uh, his work and, and trying to get him to lose his job. Um, he tried to set up a, a screening of our film, Truth and Lies in American Education. And in, in two instances, the venue where he had scheduled the viewing had to cancel the event because they were being threatened by Antifa. Um, things like they were being mailed dog feces in, in, um, and, and being threatened to, you know, to violence in their venue if they carried through with the viewing. So the events were canceled twice in a row. And, and this chapter president has also uh, been placed on the domestic terrorist list. So when he travels, when he tries to fly, he has to go through untold amounts of security in order just to board a plane, he and his family, uh, only because he has spoken out against uh, drag queen story hours in his local libraries. That's He's unreal. He is speaking out about the pornography uh, in some of the books that are in his local school district. And because of this, he has faced all of these uh, difficult circumstances and has even his very life has been threatened. That's an unbelievable thing. Again, I go back to what I stated earlier. It's hard to believe that this is happening right here in the United States of America. But it is, and that you can, I can, we all could be deemed to be racist and domestic terrorists. And we know that there was a big story where uh, one official uh, actually kind of referred to parents as being terrorists. That's just, uh, (laughs) talk about a sweeping statement that is so negative. It's just unbelievable. And then you add to that the big push to make gender such a a question there are there's a a lot of confusion and it's ending up with kids feeling that they don't know and it's uh, i was talking to the uh, the board last night at choices Uh, we were there for a meeting and we were talking about how cool that the efforts are from these people how cool they've trying to make being transgendered look you know, through ads, through TV shows, through movies. Uh, it has created to a lot of kids through public uh, d- demonstrations on social media. They've tried to make it cool to appear to be transgendered. And that is part of the plan, I believe, to overturn uh, a lot of the age-old thought and kind of, uh, if, if you want to call it, old-fashioned values uh, they've, they're overturning them by trying to make something that is perverted look normal and cool. Yes, uh, that is sadly the case. And, you know, those of us who fought against the uh, legalization of gay marriage knew that it wouldn't end there. We, we knew that it would just be a crack in the dam for the flood that we see happening today. And that's exactly what has taken place, is they have moved beyond um, wanting to have, quote unquote, rights, uh, you know, to, to have the same 
privileges and rights as uh, heterosexual couples, it's moved beyond that now. And, and, you know, I never thought about it when the acronym was first um, started, the LGBTQ. Of course, L is for lesbian, G is for gay, LG, bisexual is B, and T is transgender. That's right. And we, we never thought much about it initially, but now we are um, full force into this whole idea of transgenderism. And it, it is, I think it is an intentional agenda to upset families. They, they want to get rid of the whole idea of a mother and father and, and, and their children under the protection of family. And so if you have transgenders and you don't have any um, specific uh, gender affiliation, then it clearly undermines the family. Um, you know, we've, society has gotten so insidious that I think it's a true reflection of Sodom and Gomorrah, where we are today in our culture. Yeah, and, the whole, I was thinking about that very thing earlier this morning about how the Bible says as it is and as it was in the days of Noah, so right. shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of times, I mean, folks, we don't know how much longer we have, but uh, I say, come Lord quickly. <laughs> I'm ready for that. That would be awesome. But you're right. I mean, this is like that. These events are just unthinkable that are going on for the drag queen story hours when all of that's happening. It's all an attempt to make something that is not biblical, something that is perverted, look to these kids to be normal, look to be acceptable. Yes. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's going to get worse. Uh, I believe that their agenda is even as deep as pedophilia. And so, you know, we, we saw that with the Epstein Island story and all the elites that were involved with the um, pedophilia that happened on that island. Oh, yeah. And, and even the World Health Organization and the United Nations, which WHO is a part of the United Nations, they have recently came out with a statement um, on child safety and they've indicated that um, laws should be changed to um, lower the age of consent and to promote pedophilia. And so it is, it is sick to even think that our country would even consider such a notion. But unfortunately, that's the direction we're headed. So, you know, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have thought we'd be here discussing um, the normalization of transgenderism, and I can I can predict, and perhaps even prophesy that ten or twenty years from now we will be having this same discussion yeah. about pedophilia. You know that is just a, an accurate statement. Who would have believed that ten years ago somebody like Kirk Cameron, who is a believer? and really would love the, the kids with the kind of love that I believe teachers had when I was a, a student years ago, uh, back when Moses was here. <laughs> it feels that way anyway. But, you know, he uh, was basically almost, he and Riley Gaines were almost thrown out of uh, the area 
they were canceled. And so they went ahead and had it at a different venue. And these people are showing up. They're serious. These protesters that are the left are putting together to come up against anything that is solid, anything that is biblical, anything that is good. I think what Paul would have talked about in the scripture, whatsoever things are pure, kind, think upon these things. Well, these people are instead trying to substitute that with these drag queen story hours and trying to change the way our kids think, change the way our kids view, and they're getting away with it in a lot of blue states. Here's my final question to you. How do we keep educators from indoctrinating our kids? How are you at US Pi? What are you saying about ways that parents can be involved to the point of keeping their kids safe? So I recommend that um, parents, and, and let me just put a little caveat here, not just parents, because obviously parents need to be concerned and they need to be protecting their children. But even if you don't have children in government schools, these are issues you need to be aware of and get involved with fighting against because at the core, our country's freedom is being threatened because we are turning children into Marxist and communist and social justice warriors. And if we don't stop this indoctrination of children, we are going to lose our very freedom in this country. Mm -hmm. And that includes our freedom to worship. So I do recommend that they start by viewing our film, Truth and Lies in American Education. The film can be found at truthandliesfilm.us. I believe it's a wonderful uh, expose of all of the atrocities that are happening in government schools. And it's by experts who are well-versed in these subjects. Watch the film, share it with others in your community. I give your listeners permission to even do a, a wide viewing. They can purchase the film and invite their, their church family or people in their community to watch it with them. And then follow that with a discussion about how you're gonna get involved and what you're going to do to make a difference. They can also go to our website, USPIE, that's USPI.org, and they can sign up to join the movement uh, to find a chapter in their state or even help us to start a chapter. In fact, we don't have um, a chapter president in Florida. So if any of your listeners uh, feel compelled to get involved and they'd like uh, to be involved with our organization, I would love to have a conversation with them. So if they go to our website, USPIE.org, they'll find my contact information and we can discuss how they can start a chapter in your state. So we are all about returning uh, control of education to parents and local communities and um, protecting the freedom and protecting children. So we'd love to have your involvement and I encourage you to, to join the movement. Some people would say that America has crossed that line, that invisible line where it's uh, once you cross it, it's too late to go back to ever being like things were before. Where are you on that? Well, I, I am hopeful. Um, as I, I know that I've painted sort of a bleak picture here, but we have to know that we serve a God who is capable of anything. And if he can part the Red Sea, he can right the wrongs in our country but we have to band together and stand firm. We have to do all that we can and then stand 
and expect God to hear our cries. So we have to join in unity in prayer and crying out to Father God to heal our country. And, and I believe that anything is possible with God. I love that, and what a positive way to end this discussion. And I know, friends, I'm sorry for the parts that are just like hurtful and hard to hear, but we've got to hear it. We've got to get involved. Again, that website is uspi.org. Sherry Few, thank you for spending this hour with us. All right. Thank you. And friends, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.